This is the second part of the second series of our podcast show focus on clinical data management. My name is Daniel Schwartz and there is another colleague from Institute of Biostatistics and Analysis joining me as a co-host for this episode. Hello everyone, my name is Matej Ivan. And today we have a special guest brought to us by you, Matej. Yes, his name is Ali Al-Alak, he's from Copenhagen. He's a medical doctor and now also a director of clinical data management at SPIDA. Wow, that sounds like an impressive mixture of skills and knowledge. So let's get started and learn from the best practices that Ali has to share. Welcome Ali, we are thrilled to have you with us today. Thank you guys, I'm glad to be here. Welcome to the Clinical Data Management Podcast Show by the Institute of Biostatistics and Analysis. Hear from leading experts in clinical research, digital health, biostatistics, informatics and data science as they share their insights and valuable experiences. From clinical research to data science and more, our guests share best practices that will help you score so tune in to the CDM Podcast Show by IBA and join us for discussions that will surely make your day. So Ali, can you introduce a little bit more to our uh, listeners? Yes, sure. Um, I'm a medical doctor, uh, a young medical doctor, and I have worked a lot in, in clinical research. I've been uh, doing assistant type of task throughout of my studies and also doing participating in, in uh, clinical research projects. Um, one of the things that I focus on right now with SPIDA is, is uh, the data management in clinical research. So from my experience in Copenhagen working with clinical research, there's a lot of manual work uh, handling the data. And, and what SPIDA does is trying to automate a lot of these things for the clinical researchers, both to make it faster and make it more reliable and also more secure. Mm -hmm. Do you feel more like a medical doctor or a clinical data manager today or just a techie guy? Uh, I mean, I, 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 I think my identity is a medical doctor. I feel like a medical doctor also because like, I still do shifts in hospitals and stuff. Okay, so you, you are still doing the practice, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, what's the mixture in, in your week? How much do you do the medical practice and how much do you do the techie things with data? So I, I usually do uh, two to three shifts a week uh, uh -huh. just to keep my clinical skills up to date. Um, I don't ha have a, like a full-time medical uh, clinical job. Um, I, I do uh, shifts wherever they need me just to keep it up to date while I'm working on both speed and, and, and some research stuff. Yeah, sounds amazing. So uh, let's focus a little bit on the SPIDA, on the SPIDA and clinical data. So if we say a clinical data management, you are a director of clinical data management, it's quite broad concept, isn't it? Yes, definitely. It, it, there's a lot so how of... do you grasp it? Yeah, so 
I mean, as, as you say, it's it's broad term, so clinical data management can be a lot of things. But but from our perspective, we're focusing on on um, utilizing the the electronic data that's already there. So um, all medical practice, you need to keep records on the patients, and there's a lot of electronic data out there uh, for medical records. Um, and our focus is to to utilize that data better and more to in clinical research. Um, so that's that's my perspective of this term. So handling the data uh, electronically um, and and making sure like you can get the data you need if it's already there in the patient's medical records and also that that. The quality is high, of course. And if I may jump in, what was the impulse that you wanted to take it into your own hand and start with PETA? <laughs> to be honest, me and my me and my co-founder of this project, we were a couple of uh, years ago, we were medical students, and we thought we were going to like save everybody from COVID because we were doing research in COVID. The only issue was that in the summer of 2020, uh, there was no COVID patients in, in the hospitals. And we were doing intensive care unit research. And when there's no patients in the hospital, there's definitely no patients in intensive care. Um, but, but I mean, our supervisors couldn't really fire us. The project needed, I mean, there was not that much work in that research project and they couldn't really fire us. So. So they asked us to do the data extraction part, which is like the worst and most boring copy-paste work every day. Um, and and that was that was sad, using your summer uh, on copy-pasting stuff instead of uh, trying to save COVID patients. Yes, I believe. Yeah. So, so we just, I mean, we talked about it and, and we tried some some stuff and tried to do, make a prototype to to automate some of our tasks. Uh, so, some context here, I, I actually don't know how it is handled in different countries, but at least in Denmark, our our electronic health record systems are are great, um, but they're in quite a closed environment and. and it seems far away and nobody seems to to know how to do things with them if you if you feel me um so in clinical research we even though all danish medical data is in electronic format we are still extracting that manually so i'm still going manually looking up the patients looking up the, the data I need and, and copy-pasting it to, an, to a data capture platform. Um, and that's that's the main focus of, of Speeda, uh, taking that data, extracting it automatically and and uh, delivering it to, to the clinical researchers. Um, so that's when it all started. And, and I we made a prototype and we asked our supervisor, can we stop? Copy pasting stuff and work on this prototype instead, and he was up for it because it's a large problem in Denmark. I mean, there's a lot of money spent there, and there's a lot of project uh, that doesn't 
doesn't uh, make it in time. I mean, it, they become irrelevant. There's a lot of COVID projects in Denmark that, that didn't uh, get the dates that they need in time for for the publications to be relevant. Um, so, so I mean, also for researchers, it's, it's not not a a good thing that you sometimes use years on just data extraction when the data is already there. Yes. So you kind of uh, introduce what the speeder does. Yeah. And uh, if I may ask you, uh, do you have any experience working working with uh, electronic data capture systems? Yeah. So uh, I've in in Denmark we we use one system in at least. I, I think it's implemented in all parts uh, because our healthcare system and also clinical research is pretty much public. Uh, so, so they have procured one data capture system. Uh, we use uh, REDCap, uh, and that's been used in a lot of projects a lot of years now. But, but uh, I actually, when I started out as a young medical student and doing these data extraction jobs, I started out out uh, extracting data to Excel. So uh, it was kind of cool when we transferred to data mm. capture systems. But yeah, I've worked a lot in data capture systems, both designing like uh, like the instruments and stuff you need to uh, do the study and also ext- uh, inputting data in there and, and extracting data from there to do the st- statistic work afterwards. That's cool. So you do work a lot. With uh, yeah, with the data capture definitely. and to making the data quality better. Yeah, definitely, definitely, and still today, in, in I'm involved in clinical research projects, and, and one of the major tasks is, is making sure like the data capture uh, project database is correctly set up and is as we need it. Interesting. Uh, so you you mentioned several times clinical research. Are they projects uh, introduced by academics or uh, are they driven by uh, industry, pharma or medical devices? I haven't been involved that much in in sponsor-initiated or pharma-initiated projects. There is a lot of them, but they typically go, I mean, it's kind of more work than than research. So so the researchers working with that is like full time researchers doing doing that. So I'm more involved in, in uh, investigator initiated projects, and we sometimes use both medical device and and, and uh, medication interventions, but and sometimes also get a bit funding from pharma companies, but. but the, mostly, like the medical doctors and hospitals in Denmark are mostly involved in investigator-initiated projects, and, and they kind of outsource a lot of the work for sponsor-initiated projects. It's my experience, at least. Yeah, uh, you mentioned that your your mission, if I understand it well, your mission in Spe- in Spida is to prevent copy-paste data from one system to another. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. So it it is utilizing the electronic data that's already there. That's that's kind of the mission um, because we have a lot of data, and in Denmark we have quite a lot of data because even before our electronic health record systems, we 
we had registers about a lot of uh, like we have databases on every diagnosis of every patient. We have databases on every prescription of every patient. There's a lot of data out there that can be both like utilized for clinical research and and um, also a lot of like innovation and in, in especially like machine learning models to predictive models in healthcare. There's a lot of data for that. The only problem is that it's not that available. And and yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you you are preventing copy pasting, but how do you ensure at Speeda? How do you ensure that uh, your clinical data management processes are aligned with the industry best practices? And how do you ensure the quality of data? Yeah, the work we do in Speeda is making like an adapter between between the electronic health record system and the data capture platform. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are not really involved in registering the data in the first place in the electronic health record system. That's typically like the health records of patients when they see a doctor at the hospital. And we're kind of involved in the data capture platform because we help them design it so Speedy can integrate better with it because that stuff we can have influence on. Um, but, I mean, it... it Typically, when when you work electronically with data, if you transfer something from one place to another, it should be the same. The computers uh, are good at that, not like humans with with small memory mistakes. Um, so in that aspect, and the quality of data is dependent on uh, the input from the the clinics, right? Um, we do some validations because um, it, when transferring this data, we, we want to make sure that we transfer the correct data, even though we believe like doing it electronically, of course, transfers the correct data. But but we do some validations depending on the kind of data we work on and and, and, and put some, some markings for when do we need to have a human to check that data. Um, it's actually an extra layer because often in the data capture platform, as you guys probably know, there's already like validation steps there and notification steps there. Um, okay, cool. So you, you you probably need your systems to be very open, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, is it, that the situation that you have the systems open? <laughs> I mean. Our system is open, but like the electronic health because system, it's a headache to to work with. There's no no great integrations, and it's not mm-hmm. not open in a good good enough way. And that's why there's there's a need for the thing we do. I mean, if it was better, it will probably have have been done directly from the electronic health system to data capture platform, or you could like. Uh, do it uh, in, embedded in the electronic health system, right? So it seems like the next step is to integrate with the data capture systems, right? Yeah, definitely. But uh, uh, a good thing is that often these systems are already quite uh, modern in, in the integration possibilities. It's it's quite easier to lo- work with. A lot of them have great APIs. Uh, um, I know I've spoken with you guys about Cl- Cladis. 
uh, yeah. Clade yeah. IS. Thank you for mentioning our product, Clade IS. Yeah, yeah. And, and, the best and, EDC system in Europe, maybe <laughs> in the world. Yeah, go yeah, ahead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. You, get, you guys gave me Sestaxes, and I actually think it was really great uh, looking at the system. It seems, it seems quite a good system. And as we, we talked about, you guys also have like good APIs for, for integrating. Uh, and the other systems I've been working with have that as well. So that's not the worrying part. The worrying part is more extracting data from the electronic health record system. Here in Denmark, we use um, a system called Epic Hyperspace. It's quite big, so maybe some people outside of Denmark also know it. Um, and and f at least the implementation we have in Denmark is, is a headache to work with. So it's not easy mm. extracting data from there. Speaking from my uh, point of view, I mean from the Czech Republic, we also perceive the electronic health record systems as quite closed and um, uh, I can imagine why it is because it's inside hospital and uh, I understand the situation why this is closed. What I do not understand is why some producers of EDC systems still make the systems uh, closed. Uh, so this is not the case in uh, Clade IS. We have an open API. Uh, everyone can read uh, documentation online. Anyway, I think it can be also issue and our listeners can think now, hmm, how about the privacy? How about the data pri privacy? What's your approach uh, in SPIDA? Yeah, so, I mean, our solution works uh, locally on, on your machine. So in that regards, um, there is no extra security layer we need to implement to, to do this. Um, it's the security layer around your machine because it only works on your machine. So people, if, if you're worried about like the security aspects of it, it's depending on your machine security, right? Um, there's also another uh, kind of more a soft aspect of the data privacy. So one thing is like the risk of being hacked. The other thing is like exposing of, of uh, sensitive patient data, right? So one of the principles in, in the GDPR uh, is that we need to minimize the handling and exposing of, of, uh, of sensitive uh, data uh, on personal data, right? And I really believe that this principle means we need to do it electronic if it's already electronic there. Because I, miss, I mean, nobody cares if a machine sees your, your data, I mean, unless it, it handles it in some kind of way that affects you. But, but if your data needs to be moved from A to B, nobody cares if it's, if it's a machine that moves it in like the wires of, of its, its processing unit. But as it is done today, there's a lot of medical student research assistants and also sometimes like the PhD researchers, at least in Denmark, who does that transformation or, or uh, taking the data from A to B. And that means actually unrestricted access to, to patient data. Uh, and, and sometimes, I mean, it, it's necessary, of course, we need to do this research. And sometimes uh, we also have like the consent of, of the participants, 
but some clinical research don't, doesn't need consent. Some clinical research, uh, especially the ones without interventions, can just go and get data from patients. And while that probably being in the best interests of every, everybody, because it's clinical research and we're going to produce uh, a good data on that to, to deliver a better health service, there, it's still better to 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 keep the research assistants or or the the people doing the extraction away from the data. At least in my experience, sometimes like I have access because I needed to extract the data, both like far away family members' health records and also like my neighbors' health records, where where like I I was sitting there and and thinking. I, I guess they don't like me doing this, but like I have to. It's it's the way we do it, and they don't. They they didn't know about it, right? So so in that aspect, I think I think status quo is not good enough for data privacy. The way we do it, mm-hmm. at least in Denmark, with manual data extraction, that's not good enough. Even though it's legal, even though it's uh, for the best interests of everybody. We can do better. We can minimize the exposure of patient data, and I think it it is in the best interest of everybody, both both the cl- clinical researchers, because of course, like we're not enjoying accessing uh, patients' private informations, right? Sometimes you can you can access things where you think I would be better without that that knowledge, right? And and also for the patients, they don't need to have uh, their health data exposed to people they don't know about so so that's also one of like our goals is is to enable data to be utilized without compromising the 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 data privacy of of patients yeah i i like your i like your style (laughs) Uh, if i understand it well by preventing copy pasting data from one system to another you are also uh, preventing access to the data from multiple data assistant or uh, data managers etc so by doing more automatization you are increasing the level of privacy is that correct understanding yeah, exactly, because then the privacy can be imp- implemented in data capture systems. And a lot of data capture systems allow for a great uh, user access uh, uh, roles, uh, access group roles, uh, to prevent some users of accessing private data if they don't need to. And an electronic health records doesn't doesn't give you that possibility, at least not the ones we use. If if you have access to the electronic health record system, you basically have access to everything, uh, no matter who you are and what kind of work you do. Um, so so yeah, definitely we we're putting that responsibility over to the data capture platform, so so the researchers do, doesn't have unlimited access or doesn't at least need to have it, right? Yes, and there is definitely another good thing that can electronic data capture system provide you, and that's the visual analytics, if I may jump into this topic. Do you do you use some data visualization tools already to communicate the findings for better data-driven decisions and 
or is this uh, in the stage that it still needs to be done? Have you thought about it? I mean, the speeders main uh, solution or main service is providing data transformation. So it's, it's, it's nothing official, but of course, like, um, we might be more efficient in, in, in some, some of these programming tools to handle data than, than some researchers uh, who are more focused on, on like the medical aspects and the statistical and, and data handling aspects. And actually we've done some visualization stuff also for some customers as an extra service because they asked us of it and, and um, that's, yeah. that's Th this is interesting. So, sorry, yeah. this is interesting. Can you uncover any tools uh, which you use as data scientists to to visualize data? Yeah, so so I I primarily work, primarily work with Python and and the mm -hmm. uh, libraries and packages that that ecosystem brings. Um, that that's what we develop our solution and speed with, and that's also what I use like for my research when I do statistics. Um, you can discuss whether uh, Python or R is better. I'm not going to go into that, but Python is at least what I feel comfortable using. And they, it's a great tool because there's a great community around it. And there's a lot of people like always uh, publishing new packages that you can just jump in and use both for like statistics for data handling for for data visualization and that's why it's it's really popular in, in data science in general amazing so even a company which, which primary business is uh, data extraction and uh, data transformations must be also active in data science and visualization, right? Yeah, I mean, definitely we're handling this data and we need to implement the best practices yeah. of doing that, of course. Um, yeah. Once you want to communicate anything, you need to visualize it because otherwise the cognitive yeah. functions of humans are not uh, allowing to understand it. Okay. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I wonder what can happen if the factor of people fails, for example, at SPIDA. Can you remember any of situations which we sometimes call fuck-ups of data management? I mean, can you share with our listeners stories from which we can uh, learn? Because by, by mistakes, we can learn the best. Yeah, of course. So... <laughs> fuck-ups. Um, I mean, we believe giving the, the task of data handling to the computer minimizes the fuck-ups, definitely. And, of course, developing this, we have made mistakes uh, and we have corrected them during the tests. But but those are not really uh, fuck-ups because they're not in production. Um, and my experience with fuck-ups is definitely in the production stuff. So I remember... <laughs> Uh, in that COVID, COVID uh, trial where, mm. where we started it all, um, one of my colleagues uh, was using commas because we use commas to, to, as a decimal separator in Denmark. Mm -hmm. uh, but the data capture platform was, was uh, set up Semicolon. to use... No, 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 it was set up to use like uh, a dot for the for the separation of, 
of okay uh, so, so a different separator yeah yeah and everybody was getting these emails of serious adverse events because the ph levels were so off and that's because she used an, a, a wrong like this multivariator so so th that that's that's kind of a minor one but but like it was kind of serious because people were worried that the study will be closed down due to a serious adverse events which didn't make even sense because like ph levels doesn't it doesn't get to like three digits uh it's it's not possible in the ph scale anyways so that's that's one of the of uh, the, the more funnier uh, situations yeah and this was caused by let's say a misunderstanding in the syntax of data exactly can you can we remember anything with the semantics of data because if you do a transformation between two systems then there must be issues with uh, semantics of data it must be sometimes from my experience i think it must be sometimes very difficult yeah it definitely is and i mean for some studies especially intervention studies there's a uh, good clinical practice monitoring so the gcp monitoring mm -hmm. um, and and that's where you get exposed how many how many mistakes there is and and um, doing doing those kind of projects you really see how how difficult it actually is and then uh, my co-founder actually, uh, I asked her to make a statistic on how many mistakes she made in, in the trials she, she extracted data for that was GCP monitored. And, and she actually had like six or seven daily mistakes um, in, in average. And, and I mean, if you look at a study with, with uh, thousands of patients and and going over a long time if you didn't have that monitoring you would never have caught these mistakes mm -hmm. so there's probably a lot of mistakes there in in non-intervention studies or, or studies that at least doesn't need gcp monitoring where that that's not getting caught and and actually i discussed it with one of the profet professors i work with and he was like yeah but but hand, having random mistakes actually doesn't matter because that's uh, that's corrected by the statistics if it's random enough. <laughs> but it might be, not be random enough. We don't know that. So uh, yeah, there might be quite big bias. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So some people can have have a bias for handling or doing some kind of mistakes while others can do others. So so it's not random mistakes. So there's, it's funny to think about what kind of science out there is actually false uh, because of the data is not correct enough. And I guess, I, I guess a lot of projects out there uh, might be reporting results that's not correct due to, to human uh, errors in data handling. Um, but of course, I mean that's not to say science is wrong. We have <laughs> we have a, a great great tradition in science, and often, like before you implement uh, the knowledge of science, uh, projects, they need to be done by different research groups in different places. And, and of course, like in in the end, 
you always know what's correct and not, but but I think it affects the the both. I mean, the production. Not to say that scientists or production workers, but the production of science is not that fast. Maybe during due to these issue issues. So if we had clear and precise data, we would know more, know and better, and it will be more reproducible, I guess, in, in theory, right? Yeah, from funny stories and fuck-ups, we move to quite serious stuff about how how science is affected by correct or biased data. Uh, and thank you very much, Ali, for being so open. Yeah, I think there is a, there's a space for one more question, Mati. Yes, the last question that we have prepared was if you could uh, give an advice to someone who is just starting out in the clinical data management. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I mean, I think you need to make yourself really comfortable with the tools out there. Um, we have not talking, talked that much about it, but you can make your life so much easier if you know what's out there, what's already developed, what you already can use as tools to, to handle your work. And a lot of things can, can be automated. A lot of things can be done quite efficiently if you use the correct tools for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very well indeed. I think uh, it's a nice dot after our interview with Ali Al-Alak. So thank you very much. You. It was a really big pleasure to have you here. Uh, thank you for your openness and your insights. I think we will call this episode something around automatization of data transfers and how they can contribute to data privacy. One big thing uh, again. And also I must send many thanks to our listeners for being with us. Whether you are a data manager, data analyst or data engineer, you can already look forward to the next episodes of this podcast program, which I believe, and I think that also Matej believes, that may represent a solid inspiration to the community of clinical data managers. So learn from the best and stay tuned. I sure do, and thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you for having me, guys. And uh, it was great hearing your podcasts.